This is Stanford Christian Church, and my name is Pastor Jeremy. Today we start with the question, what do I need to do to be saved? Do you know how to answer that question if someone asks you? It's an important thing to know. Are you the type of person that likes to know how things work? I think there are two different types of people. One doesn't care how something happens or what makes it work. They just want to use it, and they want it to work. Now, that's me. Then there's people like my wife. She will take it apart just to see what's in it and how it works, how it does what it does. That also means that when something doesn't work, I have no idea what to do, and I'm just going to go buy another one. Surely there are some other people out there like me. But Tiffany, my wife, she has an idea how it works. So she will get her tools and she'll sit down and tinker with it and she amazes me how she can fix things and get them working again. It pays off to know how things work because when you really understand them, then you can work with them and use them more efficiently. In Romans 10, 9 through 15, God offers us the most detailed explanation of the process of how a person comes to be saved. He describes how it works and gives us instructions. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9 and reading through 15. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart leading to righteousness and one confesses with the mouth leading to salvation. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on the one whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on one whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim to him? And how are they to proclaim unless someone has sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love the simplicity, the clear and concise explanation that Paul gives us here. There are two main actions described. First, confess with your mouth. Second, believe in your heart. If you do these two things, verse 9 says, you will be saved. Now, people want to add all kinds of other hurdles. We complicate it, and we try to put unnecessary obstacles in people's way. Jesus has done all the work. He lived a perfect life to give to you. He died to pay the penalty for your sins, and they are gone. He overcame death to defeat the grasp of death and sin that they have on you and to give you a new life in him. When you are judged... God will choose not to see your actions or your deeds. Instead, he will look at you and see the perfection of Jesus. This text gives clear instructions. It says, confess and believe. Verse 10 helps us understand how these two connect. Verse 9 was, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then verse 10 For one believes with the heart, leading to righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, leading to salvation. Now, verse 10 gives us an order to things. If you believe, you believe that Jesus is God, Savior, and Lord, if you really believe that, 
then it will lead to righteousness, right action. If I believe that Jesus really is as good as he says he is, as wise, as powerful, if I really believe that he offers salvation and that he will judge and makes all, make all things right in the end, if a person really believes that, it will make all the difference in the way you live. There is no way that you can see who Jesus really is and say, well, I, I know he loves me and I know he'll judge righteously. I know how good he is, but I'm still going to keep chasing after the lesser things in sin. I'd rather lie and steal and mistreat people than be near him forever. There's no way if you really believe that he is who he says he is and has done what he says he has done, that you would do that. If you believe, it leads to righteousness. It all begins with belief. That is the first thing that you need to know. It leads to right actions. Like if you heat ice, it will melt. If you kick a ball, it will move. These are natural and necessary reactions. Belief results in action, in calling out to the Lord and following him. So if you believe in Jesus, you need to tell someone. Baptism is a great first step. Baptism declares to everyone that you belong to Jesus and that he has put to death your old sinful self and raised you up a born-again follower. Now, baptism doesn't save you. You believe, and because you believe, you are baptized to declare what Jesus has done in you and for you. If a person is being baptized, we believe that they are already saved because that happened when they believed. You believe in Jesus, and that leads you to act rightly. This is the instruction, part of how it works. Now, let's continue to take it all apart. Paul writes in verse 11, The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is the Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. So, here we need to see the bigger picture of what Paul is talking about all around this passage that we're focused on today. Now, before verse 9, Paul's concern is that God has made big promises to the nation of Israel, and now to some, it seems like God is not keeping his promises to Israel because most of them aren't believing in Jesus and therefore not being saved and not a part of the kingdom of God. So Paul's making the point that it was never about your heritage or nationality or race. It was always about believing God. No matter who you are, every single person on the whole planet that has ever or will ever live are all playing the same game by the same rules. On our own, we are all sinful and separated from God. But if you believe in Jesus, he will save you, Jew or Gentile. God's promises are not failing. The work of Jesus for all people is exactly what he always promised, even though they misunderstood. God's salvation and his kingdom never belong to a nationality or a people group, which is what they thought. Instead, it was always an offer either to accept or reject by any person anywhere on the planet from any group or color or language. So then we get to verse 13. He, he makes it very clear. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul is saying it repeatedly in different ways just to make sure that 
everyone is seeing it clearly, no matter who you are, no matter how deep the hole you've dug, no matter how people look at you, no matter how much you've messed things up, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no wiggle room here. He means exactly what he says. And now he's about to break it all down. Paul is going to ask a series of questions that walk back the process. Calling on the name of the Lord is the outward result of the whole process. It's the end. It's the easiest part for us to see the end result. But what about all the inner workings? Everything on the inside, all the moving parts. How does it work? God wants us to take it all apart today and see. Romans 10, 14 through 15. He starts, But how are they to call on one whom they have not believed? For each of these questions, the implied answer is that you cannot. They cannot call on the one whom they have not believed. Therefore, belief predates or initiates our calling on his name. Calling out to him grows out of the belief in our hearts. Then the next question. And how are they to believe in one whom they have not heard? Once again, you can't. In order to believe in Jesus, they need to hear about him. The message of Jesus is not innate knowledge. You can look at creation and you can discern certain things about God and his goodness and his provision and his power, but you can't know the gospel. You have to hear it explained from another person. And that leads us to the next question. How are they to hear without someone to proclaim? You see where this is going? They can't. If no one tells them about Jesus, they will never hear and they will never believe and they will never call out and they will never be saved. This is how it works. One thing I hope you see here is that you are a vital part. We do not save a person. God does that. But we proclaim, which is an essential part of the process. Because without it, cannot believe. Without someone telling the lost about Jesus, the chain is broken. The process never reaches calling out on him and being saved. This is true for every single person hearing this message today. I know that makes a lot of you uncomfortable. You're already sweating and making excuses, but hear me out. It does not mean God wants you to preach in a pulpit or a street corner or teach a class. More often, it is you talking to people who you already have a relationship with, who trust you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. Invite them to church. Ask God to give you opportunities to share in conversation and be intentional about sharing Jesus. It doesn't just happen. You have to, you have to mean to do it. His salvation and, and how he's affected your life, you got to talk about it. It might be just a sentence or a few words this time and uh, you don't have to share everything all at one time. Maybe the next time you're able to say more. Plant seeds that God can water and nurture and add to from the seeds that others are sharing as well. And then it's up to the person. Will they accept, believe, and call out in the name of the Lord? Or will they reject him? So that leaves us with this one final question. And how are they to proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. A disciple is sent.
How can they preach unless they are sent? Paul asks, We as a local church are committed to sending disciples to preach the gospel to this community. We want to help and know, help people know and follow Jesus, right? We say it all the time. We are committed to it because that is who Jesus commands us to be. And if we really believe, we will act. We will confess his name to others. We are committed to it because if we don't send, then disciples don't go and speak. And if disciples don't speak, then people don't hear. And if the lost don't hear, then they don't believe. That is how it works. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul ends this discussion with a quote from Isaiah 52, 7. What task in all the earth is more important or more valuable what can be worth more than to see a person saved and healed by the gospel? You want to make the world a better place? You want to see an end to oppression and addiction and hate and fighting? This is how it works. Jesus is the only answer. Our church's job is to equip you and to send you. Your job is to proclaim Jesus. and It's their job to believe. And it's all our jobs to call on the name of the Lord for the rest of our lives. God will always be faithful to his promises. He will love. He has already proven that in Jesus who came and lived a sinless life, suffered for the payment of your sins, and rose again on the third day to pave the way for your eternal life. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy, and we're just so glad that you're able to listen and enjoy this time. But we would also love for you to come join us in person at 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning. We have Sunday school at 9.45. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can even see videos of our service, our midweek focus videos we put out. Go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. You can also look us up on Facebook, Instagram, uh, on YouTube. You can see videos of our services as well as those midweek focus uh, videos. And so look us up and... Uh, as always, love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.